There's a heat wave in Arkansas, Hunter. It's uh, okay. <laughs> 100 degrees Fahrenheit, mm-hmm. and that's the week my house decided to not have air conditioning anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's been my life for a couple days now, is just ah. figuring out how to quickly move out of my house into other houses that have air conditioning while it's 100 degrees out. You've been really hot and sweaty. Hot um, and sweaty. So Up in the attic, learning how to be an HVAC tech. That's me now. I'm, ch- I'm thinking about changing careers, going to switch to HVAC technician because it's just so comfortable up there, you know? Yeah. You like being up in the attic? I really you love like being it. up in the mm-hmm. dark? Yeah. I love that all of the bolts on a on an air conditioning unit are uh, fastened by normal people and not just sort of like and like grinded into it. I think my entire AC unit just looks like someone hammered the screws into it. So that's fun. I can't decide what direction you're going with this. Are you being sarcastic or was it actually that your thing is like rickety and barely holding together? I think it's rickety and barely holding together and it's, oh. it is fascinating. Uh that any of it worked uh and, and then some of it didn't so that's kind of well, yeah, why I'm in say, the situation it's, it's, i'm in it's like may, is it fascinating or did it break and it sounds like it was also poorly put together so let's just kind of follow the bread comes you're laying yeah. to the result which is your ac bricked and now you're you got sweaty hands while you're playing your analog hands. pocket at night <laughs> and then you're going to be complaining like oh the buttons are all slippery uh-huh, and it's yeah. like and i well, why is it so gross it's like grimy all the time it's like matt you're playing it shirtless sweating you're in a sweat lodge playing your analog pocket which is not what they designed it for okay the thing falls apart so quickly too i mean it's just water is coming out the sides of the speakers it's why does the screen get so wet when i rub it on my forehead what's going on there it's not when i strap it to my forehead it doesn't soak up enough of my head sweat i can't see straight anymore and i'm having visions every time i pull it out of my pocket i have to wring it out out. what's that about mm-hmm. what's up with the analog pocket and it not being able to take all my juices <laughs> let's go hey welcome to the but welcome to the Old Gamers Almanac. Oh, I am hey. Hunter. Hello. And um, yeah, hey, what's up? Um, I'm joined today by Matt. Yeah, that's me. Hi, I'm Matt. I'm Matt Martin. Hello. Uh, specifically. Yes. This is a show where uh, me and Matt uh, shill for the company Analog for about an hour and a half, and we try and convince you to buy something that you can't even really buy anyways. I mean, if you buy it now, if you end up liking what we're saying, uh-huh. here's what no c- content creator would tell you. Yeah. Let's do that. Let's lead with that. If you end up deciding you want an analog pocket, too late. You should have bought mm-hmm. it 10 years ago before it was even an idea because <laughs> it will take forever to get to you, okay? If we want to get... So, let's yeah, let's not shill. I have no... There is no shill part yep. of me and Matt's bones. Uh, the people in charge upstairs, they listen to us and they know what type of people we are. And they're yep. like, avoid them like the plague. Have nothing to do with them. <laughs> but I do want to lead with grumpiness and say that... Hot dang, it doesn't really feel like I bought the analog pocket so much as I invested in the company and later they gave me one for free. Uh That's what it feels like. (laughs) I put down a $250 investment Uh in analog. I now own a portion of their stock and they gave me a a pocket when it was at their convenience. At their convenience, they they gave me one later. 
they finally made it available. It honestly, it's not too dissimilar to our talking to Brandon Sheffield about uh, the PC engine. And it's like, you had to be there. You had to be around when the mm-hmm. PC engine was uh, gettable. And that's when you got one. And that is right. basically the same idea of today's episode is not only this is a device that is hard to get, but also like, oh, you can play old Game Boy cartridges. I mean, I hope they're affordable for you. Some of them are. I mean, I think I would say Game Boy is probably in at least one of the more sort of uh approachable <laughs> areas of affordability than a lot of other console games i mean you, you try to get like a relatively popular snes game these days and it's 50 bucks a drop every time wow that's funny because i was actually looking at pricing for game boy cartridges and i feel like you haven't so i have oh, some bad news for you darn. Um, i've just so seen what's in, in random stores nearby but you know what else is also true of random stores nearby it's never good games it's the game it's the it's the mm-hmm. trash that ends up in the little bin they put in a tupperware container inside the glass case and that's all that yeah. it is <laughs> yeah if you want to own the good game boy games uh I, you better be prepared to spend at least 50 bucks yeah, okay. in order for the to get the good stuff Barf. um so that's tough <laughs> but you know that's just the world we live in now mm-hmm. um and yeah so i feel like we have we need to do our due diligence sure. and actually actually explain what this episode is going to be about um if you are n- not familiar uh analog is uh spelled a-n-a-l-o-g-u-e so mm-hmm. spelled the pretentious way um <laughs> Is a company. No, they're nice. Uh, they seem they seem like they have good ideas, but they they are making um, these like kind of throwback uh, new consoles, but they're like luxury devices that are meant to uh, em- hardware emulate your old consoles. Mm-hmm. Okay, and they've mm-hmm. done they've done the Nintendo, uh, they, or they've done the NES, they've done the Super NES, they've done PC Engine, they've done a bunch of stuff. They then also made a Game Boy. And they announced it in like 2018 or 2019. I don't remember when they announced it, but it took a very long time for it to actually um, come out and get to people. Um, And what's exciting about this thing is it can play Game Boy games. It can play Game Boy Color games. It can play Game Boy Advance games. The screen is uh, wild. It has all these features to really make it look like, you know, if you want it to look like the old, old, uh, you know, green, weird green (laughs) screen uh, Game Boy, you can make it look like that. You can make it look uh re- like red for, for that's some the reason one i don't understand the other three all it's like the game boy pocket looked like this screen and the you know there's like different versions of the game boys and they all have different screens and then there's red you can do red yeah. too sometimes that's also red <laughs> what is up with that one what is does somebody who know something i don't is, know who wants to play the game in red like who wants to re- relive well, the virtual boy days not i mean not i did me. boot up my copy of pokemon red and immediately turned on the red screen and was like this feels good this feels what it's for interesting um, but yeah, it has a lot of screen modes. It's very faithful to the original Game Boy, um, but it also um, has some uh, like has two FPGA chips in there, uh-huh. and those FPGA chips—that's what people use uh, to hardware emulate the them old consoles. Uh-huh. And that second chip is kind of just about playing all the other stuff on there, right. and you can get that done pretty easily using um, Google. Uh, <laughs> You will figure out how to maybe make use of that second chip in order to get it to play all kinds of stuff. And we're going to talk about really just kind of all we've experienced with it. We both yeah. had it for a little shy of two weeks at yep. this point. Right. Um, and yeah, we're just going to talk about if we like it. Well, and then I guess if you like the sound of that, you can just rue the day that you haven't <laughs> already purchased one. Or you can make your purchase right now. I mean, they do say that they are going to ship everything by 2023. Uh-huh. That is, but they also said ours not, was going to come 
sooner than it came. So I don't yeah. know. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I, I want to just sort of get uh, ahead of all of that to say kind of like why we were interested in this thing. And you know what? I, I also want to say this. There are other products out there that do uh, uh, more emulation. If anything, I think there's even people who know more than I do that would sort of push back on FPGA even being considered hardware emulation or, or, or perhaps that's just part. I, I don't know all the right terms, but what I know is you know this FPGA stuff and like things like the Mister uh, are are in in theory more hardware accurate to what you played back in the day. Whereas if you are literally emulating something from the PC on, on your PC or on your Steam mm-hmm. Deck or whatever, which has been something I've been doing a lot of, you know that's like going through a lot of weird channels to get the thing <laughs> to work as closely as it could. But you always notice weird little hiccups with that. And the basically right. the idea with the Open FPGA is like I mean specifically with this device you can plug a Game Boy cartridge into it and it plays it, right? That, that, that's mm-hmm. the idea. But then you can also put, you know, a Game Boy, uh, like, ROM file onto it and it plays it. And they are, they are one-to-one. It's, it's the same right. experience, whether it's the cart or, or a file uh, that you've done. And uh, the other interesting thing, too, just to get out of the way is once you plug a cart in it will save it to your device like you just you could just pop is this right is this how this works you pop a cart in and then it gets added to your library there's a library option in it and i don't even fully understand how that part works anyways that was that was a tangent regardless <laughs> but it's the wildest you you, you catalog your game what, collection what and games you play just a scholarly cataloging just... of the entirety of video game history every time you play a game cartridge it will automatically be added to library showing the date added and total game play time I don't know. Anyways, none of that was what I was getting to. The point being, our interest in this thing is based mostly on so many of the games of this era. There's there's two steps to reliving the nostalgia. It's getting it to run well, which is pretty easy. A Game Boy is not a complicated thing. But something I've always bumped up against is... Uh, I've been trying to like emulate various things on my PC for, I don't know, probably about 10 years now. And I just don't like the feeling of playing handheld games like at my desktop, right? Or or sitting mm-hmm. down in that capacity or even like yeah. with a full-size controller or whatever. And that, that's that been true even on my Steam Deck. Uh, uh, we did a, uh, an OGA episode about uh, Advance uh, Wars and I played that on my Steam Deck and it felt wrong. It didn't, it didn't feel like the way the game was supposed to right. go around with me. And so many of these Game Boy games like... There is a certain nostalgia to pulling a Game Boy out of your pocket, squeezing your hands together, and right. playing the tiny little game on the tiny little screen. Uh, screen. I, I think that is uh, important <laughs> to the enjoyment level of the games is to have it in that context. The same has been true for me. I've been trying to get uh, like a DS and a 3DS up and running to play like any of any DS games because those are two consoles also that wouldn't work on this device, but I, I want to get those things to be actually handheld. I need a handheld right. system to put in my pocket and take around with me. So I think that was like the number one goal with wanting something like this. Yeah, there's a thing to be said for the console, and there are, now that I think about it, they're all Nintendo consoles, but for the consoles that have some sort of aspect to the emulation that is lost completely. Mm-hmm. And I would say the Game Boy screen is something lost almost completely yeah. in translation. Now, some people might push back on that. You might, may, maybe, you know, you have a Nintendo Switch and you have the, the you like the Game Boy emulation on that. But to me, it doesn't actually hit 
the it's not close enough to hit the nostalgia center in my brain. Yeah. Um, and I and I don't understand the technical reasons for that. I just more <laughs> just want to say like if it's off, I get a little frustrated. And yeah. I've had this experience now for for so long. Yeah. I remember the first time I ever had this experience was when I bought the PlayStation Three. One of the first things I was excited about with it was being able to play old PlayStation One games mm-hmm. via the the PlayStation Store. And I remember, of course, you know they they we're going to talk about Final Fantasy again, and another week of Final Fantasy talk. <laughs> um, Final Fantasy Seven, Eight, and Nine came out on the PlayStation Store, and I bought them, and then I started playing them, and I was immediately like, "This game looks really bad." Yeah. And why does it look so bad? Right. And it's because I was looking at PlayStation dithering onto um, an HD television, and that just looks bad. It right. looks worse than it looked back then. Yeah. And I feel a, a similar feeling when it comes to the look of the original Game Boy. And that's why I think the Pocket, th- that's what I think the Pocket does the best, is it's a screen and the, the screen software has been set up so particularly to emulate those like different screen modes that I do, rec- it's like I'm recalling stuff. Yes. Like I remember what it feels like right. to be a little boy uh, playing playing that dangle Game Boy and Game Boy because I had the uh, well actually let's talk about history with the Game Boy sure what a uh, what Game Boy did you grow up with I started with a purple Game Boy color I didn't ne- I never had an original Game Boy uh, I mean our first like console was a Super Nintendo that we got a couple years after its release so we're talking mid 90s anyways before I've received anything I don't remember exactly what your Game Boy color came out but I remember being in fourth grade and mm. having a Game Boy color and I basically only remember owning pokemon red uh, and then eventually pokemon yellow and i do not know that i owned a single other game boy game for at least a long time basically that's wild was it this game boy color it was not uh yours is what you are showing me is the frost the kind of see-through purple game boy color and mine was the hard uh the hard Uh, color the matte finish uh yeah beautifully vibrant purple uh game boy that's the one i had yeah, well, here's something kind of ironic to our discussion. So, can you tell me what it, you see that is wrong with this game? This is one of my child. This is yes. my second Game Boy that I ever had. This was my original Game Boy Color. Uh-huh. I did have the original uh, brick, brick BMG Game Boy. Yeah. I never had a Game Boy Pocket. Yeah. I always wanted one, and then the color came out before my mom uh, got me a Game Boy Pocket. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this was my original Game Boy Color, and you see what's going on there? Yeah, what's so going the, on there? The, the, the device is off, and yet it looks as though uh, you have cracked it open and squirted black ink through the LCD screen, essentially. Yeah. There's just a massive blob of black all over the screen. So it's really funny that the screen is so special, because the story of my original Game Boy is that I we were taking a, a, one of our many family vacations to Branson, Missouri, okay? <laughs> Branson, Missouri, La- the Las Vegas for redneck hillbilly idiots. Um, and we were up there probably seeing Presley's Country Jubilee. <laughs> and during the day, we'd be going to Silver Dollar City. Ooh. And I, it was a cold, it was winter, and it was really cold um, outside. And I accidentally... I do not know how I did this because I loved my Game Boy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I went, it was my trip thing. I mean, anytime yeah. we went, and we went on, we, we were always going to Branson. I must have played all, I bet you a significant chunk of all my <laughs> Game Boy playing actually happened in yeah. the city of Branson, Missouri. Um, <laughs> because what a boring place. But um, 
I left my Game Boy in the car. It was like December or November. It was very cold. And when I came back in the morning, it looked like this. Wow. It was just cracked. It was, I guess it had gotten so cold that the screen had just, I don't know, it had, it froze out. Imploded it got frostbite. Yeah. The screen got frostbite. <laughs> yeah. So it's ironic that I'm talking so much about how important the Game Boy screen is to me now, yeah. because clearly, and we're looking at the evidence, it was not very important to me <laughs> when I was a child. Was that and playable, my, or was it? Has it been bricked no, since then? No, it, it was been brick. a dead system. It was ever since then. I I had to get another uh, Game Boy Color. I had like a teal one that was not near as cool as this yeah. one. I actually have a dream of of taking this shell off, yeah. cleaning it, and putting in a new screen and having my child, uh, resurrecting my childhood yeah. Game Boy you know, um, would uh, be you know like a who, fun project. It would be a fun project for you to do. And you know who also does that? A uh, friend of the show, Kimmy Martins, uh, known for, oh. she does lots of console renovations these days. So anyways, that's a fun factoid. I, uh, yeah, I was, something I think that maybe is lost on me with the analog pocket is that lack of original brick Game Boy nostalgia because by the time i came around to the system i was already in the game boy color days now early mm -hmm. game boy color days were mostly we took game boy games and sometimes the screens uh, like it'll alternate colors but it's still like one color the whole time right like that's what would happen with like pokemon uh blue and red is each city would be like a new color and you're just your whole right. screen would switch to that and then it wasn't until later games that they could like finesse like actual pixels being uh, individual colors or whatever. But that meant for me, I came to the console kind of expecting that image quality, essentially. And to right. me, anytime I saw an original Game Boy, which honestly, I didn't see very many of I, I just didn't have friends who had original Game Boys. But I always had a sort of like, oh, that that ugly green screen. Like, you know, 10-year-old me mm -hmm. was like always judgmental of the old Game Boy and glad I had the Game Boy Color, essentially. Yeah, I was always a loser, weird, hipster idiot, and <laughs> I remember when Link's Awakening DX came out and being like, I liked it better on the old one. <laughs> like, I remember feeling like it looked wrong to me. Uh -huh. It just looked like a different game. Yeah. That was the whole thing, right. is when Link's Awakening was a Game Boy Color game, I was like, this isn't right. And I let me tell you something, this carries over yes. even to this day. I will probably not be playing, when I play Link's Awakening on yeah. my analog pocket, it will not be the Game Boy Color version. It will yeah. be the original. Well, and I'll say this too, to, to I think your credit, uh, I know Tetris doesn't look right on anything but the original the original Game Boy screen. If I look at Tetris yeah. in any other context, but especially you can boot up this analog pocket and you could put these games into just like standard analog screen mode. And let me tell you, that's disgusting. It's horrible yeah. looking. It's like it does look bad. It's like high contrast black and white with mm -hmm. like no, you know, uh, the the thing, the amazing thing that the screen does when it goes into like proper Game Boy mode is like you can see the space between pixels. <laughs> is the only yeah. way I can describe it. Like there's a line between every single pixel, and mm -hmm. that is gone on like the standard screen. And I think that is like a big part of what we talk about when we talk about like the games were not developed on a screen that looked like that. They, they yeah. were not meant to look like that. They were built with the screen you have in mind. Uh, you know, this goes a big step further. I, think, I feel like someday we'll do like a Mr. episode and get to talk about like CRT TVs and a lot of stuff like that that I'm trying to constantly learn more about. But the comparison for people who are maybe hearing this the first time is like, imagine going to like a, a museum and there's like a painting and you know how sometimes like really important paintings will have like a big sort of 
uh, s- space in front of them where you can't get close enough, obviously, to touch them, but also, like, you just can only get so close to them. If you could, like, get right up on a painting where you can see every little detail of every brush stroke, you're mm-hmm. not really meant <laughs> to take in the painting from that I like that angle you are meant to step back and see the thing on the whole and let it especially when you get into like impressionism and stuff like that right like the idea of impressionism is that the, yeah. that the colors sort of blend together to then sort of generate the idea of an image or whatever i think a lot of old consoles were playing within the confines of the technology to suggest imagery rather than perfectly display imagery Yeah, hardware emulation versus software emulation is sort of like, if it's software emulation, it's almost like you're saying, uh, well, we're going to take this Picasso, I'm going to do, I'm going to go way too far with this, but we're going to take this Picasso and we're going to show you what we think he was trying to make. Uh Right. You know what I mean? Like AI upgrade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're going to AI upscale this Picasso (laughs) to be like more understandable visually. And it's like, no. The messiness, the yeah. medium is the message. Yeah. Like that's that is what it is. Right. And so yeah, dithering on the PlayStation has been a nightmare as far as emulation goes. Um, uh, hopefully, hopefully we're heading towards some sort of PlayStation One uh, renaissance. I know the Mister has a PlayStation One core. I yeah. don't know how far along it is, um, but I want give me the dithering back. Yep. And I feel like the Game Boy is has now been conquered it yes, feels like right. it feels like if you want the throwback game boy experience i mean it's been conquered in a couple different ways the the market for taking like refurbishing old game boys has been very alive and well sure. um and i like that as a solution this is just another potential solution but maybe matt it's time for us to get into specifically this product yeah what do we think of it? How are we feeling at week number two Yeah, um, about our purchase? We made this purchase so long ago <laughs> that it does actually sort of feel like we got it for free now, which it is really odd. Does. Like I don't, it doesn't feel like I bought this because it was no. so far back. It just showed it really was like a day. Kickstarter. Yeah. It, it basically was a Kickstarter was, that, yeah. we, that we supported. I, uh, I, I basically, it had been so long that I had like forgotten about it. To the mm-hmm. point of like not having no excitement for it anymore. Wow. Like there was, I would say, uh, the last three months or so, I've been like, should I just cancel this thing and get like a sixty dollar MiU Mini or whatever? Like, there's yeah. so many other companies making um, non FPGA emulation devices that are literally just software emulation and would be like, oh, you know, a, a lower quality picture, uh, but would be like way cheaper, right? You can get one of those for yep. like eighty bucks or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I've just for a number of months thought about just getting one of those. And I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> In the end, I'm I'm excited, especially because uh, I've never held one of those other ones, but I've seen lots of uh, basically comparison videos. And I do, at the very least, just like the build quality of mm-hmm. this thing. It's a little sharp. The plastic <laughs> edges are a little are a little sharp. I will say, yeah, uh, in certain yeah. spots. But beyond that, uh, I I like the heft of it. It is. Um, I think a, about as wide as a standard Game Boy, but not as thick as a, as an old school gray yeah. Game Boy. Uh, and it's, it's much taller, though. I will say mm-hmm. that it is not, especially looking at this Game Boy color I have in my sure. hand right now. The analog pocket is quite a bit bigger, yeah. um, just in general. Right. But it, it's still pocketable. I yeah. mean, they called it the pocket, and that you can put it in your pocket. But I will say this. It is way too nice to be putting in a pocket. That's the like, fear. I would not put it in I your need, pocket, You know dude. what I need? I need a little, you know those, like, nice, like, glasses or sunglasses cases that are also, like, the glass cleaner fabric? 
Ooh, I need yeah. one of those bags and that's oh. what this can go in and then I'll slip that in my pocket. But yeah, getting like lint all over this thing, no thank you. Uh, that's, no, I don't want to do that. I, I, but it is it is pocketable and it is like I I've been playing mostly uh actual Game Boy games on it. You can go up to uh like SNES Genesis uh era mm-hmm. PC engine stuff on it. Um I booted up a couple Genesis games and Super Mario Brother World for uh, Super Nintendo. That's all I've done in in that regard. And those games look good to me. I mean, you put anything on that, like any old 16-bit or, or less thing on a screen small enough, and it's going to look fine no matter what you do. Like that, That's just the nature of <laughs> the beast of the screen being uh, small enough, the pixel density or whatever just looks naturally good, I think. So yeah, if we want to talk about the other FPGA stuff, and we could talk about Game Boy stuff, but I... I've been playing a lot of Super Nintendo, been playing a lot of Genesis games, uh, and I I really like it, bearing in mind that I also bought a Mr. last year yeah. that I don't have yet. It's now now the race is now all the pressure's on Mr. Kits to get me the rest of uh, my Mr. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, I'm still waiting on, on an IO board uh, that I ordered. It's been a while, um, but it hasn't been as long as I waited for the pocket. But um, <laughs> so I have yet to experience really the FPGA renaissance yeah. uh, that we're experiencing so so this is kind of my first foray into it mm-hmm. and i do really like the accuracy mm-hmm. um and even though we're on a screen that is like not ideal um it's not the perfect canvas for super nintendo or or genesis games i will say they like they look nice and they sound really nice yeah. is what i keep noticing right. is the music is hitting me really really hard and i think there's just something about you know, like when you boot it up at your computer to play it on your desktop, the sound is just not, it's just mm-hmm. not quite right. I don't know. And and it, maybe this all might be placebo. Maybe the sound is exactly correct as to what it should be. But there's something about hearing it coming out of a Game Boy yeah. that is somehow ringing more sincere. Oh, yeah. Even though I did not play the Genesis on a Game Boy, sure. you know? Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, especially for Game Boy games, at the very least, it needs to come out of a tiny little speaker. Um, yeah. But you also compare it to like playing a SNES on our old CRT TVs. Those were junk, <laughs> dumb mm-hmm. little speed. Like, I, I there is something to this era where it's like if you were able to clean up the sound quality and make it really perfect, you would hear how messy and gross most of the sounds are on these old right. consoles. Like it's like your drums on most of these consoles are like. And like, not meant to be heard in like yours and my like studio headphones. You know what I yeah, mean? That yeah, that is not exactly. the intent. <laughs> so yeah, I I think I, that I agree. Something I uh, I was playing uh, Gunstar Heroes, and uh, it's a treasure game. Uh, the other treasure game we've talked about on this show before is Bongayo. And if you recall, Bongayo was a, a story of a billion sprites on screen at once that it slows uh-huh. the hardware down uh, i can confirm that is still true for gunstar heroes yeah uh, these games you're getting the authentic slowdown of the original system and and it's i don't know knowing that it is like not some sort of software emulation means what you get from the experience like you, you that means more to me if that if I yeah. can make that make sense. Like when something hits in a different way, it's like, oh, that's not just because my stupid computer can't like handle this thing. It's like that was the build quality of the game or of the system at that time. Like I, I there is an appreciation I have of getting something that is more one to one when trying to play these old games. Yeah, there's also something to be said just for 
the uh the idea of playing uh Super Nintendo games and Genesis games in on a on a Game Boy yeah. device that is so compact and small. We have historically on this show complained that the new handheld world we live in is not very casual. It's yeah. very like they're bedtime devices, which right. is cool. They're they're they sit on the nightstand. They're like a little book you read before you go to bed. Mm-hmm. That's cool, but they're also kind of like not so good for leaving your house with. Yeah. And I want to talk about being on yes, an airplane. Please. Yeah. I want to talk about the plane time. You had the perfect right this now. was the perfect week uh for you to get this device and test it cuz yeah, you I got mine and I've been like playing mine at bedtime. I've been doing mine the same way yeah. I do my Steam Deck essentially. So I'll have my own right. types, but I've been desperately wanting to hear about your uh you're going to bring up airplane, but I also just want to hear about You've been in Portland all week, like ro- oh, roaming sure. the city with a, with, yeah. I assume a pocket in your pocket, uh, and I just want to yeah. hear about your adventures this week. Yeah. So okay. So let, first, a brief history of Hunter Donaldson's relationship with aeroplanes. <laughs> um, my family uh, are they're they're woods people. They're wood. They're they're hill folk. All right, <laughs> out there, you know, kind of monstering around. They're kind of swamp monsters of sorts, and uh, a. A lot of them have not joined uh, the rest of humanity. Um, they are they are seeking uh, refuge from humanity, and they stay far away from them, which means they, they don't fly, which means I did not fly until quite later in life. I didn't fly until I was, like, an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started flying, and I flew a lot, um, and I loved, I was like, oh, I love flying. I love traveling. It's so much fun to travel. Um, to some place that isn't Branson, Missouri, Mom. <laughs> it's nice to go somewhere else, Mom. Literally anywhere um, else. Shout out to Mom if you're listening. She's not. But <laughs> I I flew for a long time, had no incidents. And then I, I was taking a fateful flight. I don't remember where. And I started feeling this very sharp pain in my, um, in my uh, temple. No, in my sinus. Mm-hmm. Right above my left eye. Very sharp pain. And some people know what I'm talking about. And it was really uncomfortable. It was very scary. I actually kind of felt like my head was going to explode. And I just was like, yeah, all right, whatever. Well, that's over. It was over. We, we, we landed. And it was like, all right, the pain subsided. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I got on another flight. And uh, same thing happened. Huh? Real bad. <laughs> hmm. Still not going to talk to a doctor about it. I am American, after all. Uh, and then I got on a plane. And it happened again. And this time, there was blood. And I don't mean a little bit of blood. I mean a lot of blood. And it was kind of everywhere. It was very embarrassing and scary. And I was like, what is happening? And then a um, stewardess explained to me what was happening which is that sometimes when this happens to normal people they get like a cold Mm -hmm. sometimes when they fly uh you're like it's like when the air pressure changes it's like there's air getting caught like Mm -hmm. sort of in your sinuses like a little pocket yeah like a little like a little game boy in there like a little game boy pocket (laughs) uh and except it's not for games it's like a hate boy pocket and it's very uh painful as something that some people experience now i will just experiencing it whenever now i guess i got clogged bad tubes or something something's wrong with my head um, so flying is actually really stressful for me. And I'm happy to report to you all that I don't experience this anymore because I take decongestion. Um, somebody's been trying to talk me into switching to antihistamines. I might switch to antihistamines, although I've heard that there's some blood stuff. Like, uh, also, your blood is weird in the sky. And, like, I don't know. I've heard that there can be... I, I've gone with decongestions, though, thus far. And I'm happy to report I do not 
get this pain. However, I'm kind of constantly nervous when I fly. <laughs> uh -huh. And it's not about the flying. I don't care about the yeah. flying part. That's fine. Turbulence, I'm fine. It's yeah. all cool. Yeah. It's really just that I'm afraid that at any point my head is going to explode. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that I'm going to experience a lot of pain. And let me tell you, one of the things that I wish I could run to is the video games. I don't know if you've noticed, but I like them um, <laughs> and have for quite some time. Mm -hmm. The Nintendo Switch and the Steam Deck both make me a little bit nauseous yeah. when I play them on a plane. There's too much movement going around. These are like 3D games. The screen is too big. It just kind of bums me out a little bit and mm -hmm. it doesn't work. So there was a lot riding on the pocket when it came <laughs> to airplanes. Is it gonna make the airplane experience a little better for me. I desperately need it to help me with my airplane time. And I was flying. I flew from New York to Portland, which is across the country. Mm -hmm. And then I flew back. And I got to tell you, it was fucking awesome. Okay. <laughs> it was, I'm happy to report. Mission accomplished. The Fly the yeah. banner. We thank did you, it, everyone. Thank you, Analog Pocket, because I, 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 the, the screen is not big enough to make me nauseous. They're not 3D games. So there's just like, there's enough. It's just the perfect device. It's like my brain was designed from a very young age to be like Game Boy screen, cool, Switch screen, too much, uh -huh. okay? Mm -hmm. And so now that I have the Game Boy back in my life, it's I was distracted the whole time. Yeah. I wasn't thinking about whether my head was going to explode or not. Um, I do have to chew gum the entire time. Mm -hmm. It's something that's part of it. Um, so I was chewing gum. I chew so much gum when I fly. It's I hope, kind of upsetting. I can't wait for it like down the road. Like you're going to keep getting older and your body will fail you in new interesting ways, of course. Mm -hmm. And the idea of flight hunter, you're going to have to keep getting more and more like accoutrements. Oh like, yeah. You know how the old Game Boy had like the screen magnifier and the little worm yeah. light <laughs> and the button enhancers. Like I want that to happen to your head. Your skull will get more and yeah. more attachments to it to try yeah. and distract you from your own brain trying to implode <laughs> yeah i also so to, to kind of fold this in more of just describing like features that the pocket has one of the things that i appreciate about it is that the menu system is really lightweight and straightforward yeah it's just a list of things and it's and it's very uh cleanly designed it's just a black background white text it just says what to do you click on the yeah. thing it's responsive there's not a bunch of there's not a bunch of junk. It, it's not a whole operating system right. on it. It just tells you what it, it does. It's like opening up your computer's BIOS settings, basically. Like, it's literally like if you if you mm -hmm. hold the, like, yeah, hit F11 when you boot up your computer and you just have this little screen. I, I uh, it took me a bit with the menu to figure out what was going on. The, the, the device itself comes with like, just like a card in it that then is like, here's a QR code that you can scan for the actual uh, right. you know, booklet and I don't know if I just didn't open it at all or if I only opened like what I needed to sort of get started but I was very confused for a while about like what the menu options actually were I had to I I chose to infer rather than just actually like yeah. pull up the full manual and learn what all it was uh, the the big thing being it took me uh, embarrassingly too long to figure out how to access my Game Boy games that I had uh, modified for use with this device, which we can talk about what that uh, even means yeah. later. But there's like a special way you can play Game Boy and Game Boy Color games on this thing. But it was like 
hidden inside of two different menus that I had to just know were there. That's the kind of, like, this feels like a coder's device, I guess is what I'm trying to describe. It's like, it assumes you know a certain amount already about it going into it. It is not like a, it's not, like you said, it's not an operating system that's like, here, little baby, right. touch screen to start. Like, it's, it, it just sort of is like, here's the menu, here's everything, have at it. Now, this is... This is funny. This is a funny little conversation topic for us because I think you, you're kind of revealing another one of our little difference yeah, points because right. to me, way less overwhelming, yeah. actually. And yeah, you do have to learn some things, but it's it's pretty, I would say it's pretty straightforward. It's just you have to be willing to go to this other place and have it walk you through right. what you need to do. I remember the setup process for uh, loading up my SD card with uh, juicy little bits um, which is something we sort of have danced around. You can do that, by the way. Just so that <laughs> you can, allowed, you the, can do that. <laughs> if you happen to have some juice on your computer, like per, perhaps all the Super Nintendo juice, uh -huh. all the Genesis juice, right. then now you've got all the juice on the SD card. You put the SD card in the analog pocket, and your analog pocket now is completely juiced out, um, which is pretty good pretty uh, to do. Um, it took me a little bit. Uh, I, I made one little mistake mm -hmm. in setting up, but... Overall, probably took me, I don't know, 45 minutes. And yeah. then I had all of it in there, ready to go. Um, I also haven't noticed a lot, like, it, everything has worked thus far, yeah. which is kind of surprising. Like, I haven't noticed a lot of stuff that just didn't, like, transfer or didn't uh, is not working in the cores or whatever. I had one game, and I do not even remember which one, but I've had so far one game that would not boot up at all i yeah. just, i can't even remember what it was and i didn't care enough to like look any further into it but there was one game that just wouldn't load for whatever reason but i also chalked that up to like any number of factors and it's also like i don't know man i've been i've been doing a lot of emulation on my steam deck for the past year and that's par for the course little hiccups <laughs> along the way right. so it's not like i'm expecting this thing to just perfectly do everything first try without me sort of understanding uh you know the system itself uh, i would say one thing about the menu and maybe you can i i think you might be able to to ap adapt this M my big issue right now is like where i go to play my game boy games uh and i think you're very different in your mindset of this kind of thing i hate that it's just one huge massive list of every game in alphabetical order i don't i am usually not the kind of person who likes to load up every single game onto a thing and have that uh, all there that's like not not only just overwhelming to me, but it's like right now, if I wanted to go play Super Mario World uh, or like Super Mario Land, actually, I'm looking at my Game Boy library, right? If I wanted to play Super Mario Land, I got to hold down and scroll and it's going to take me about a minute and a half to get to the S. You can, you can go right and skip through faster, but it's just like I hate the huge laundry list of games and I wish I could like have a file structure to it basically to, to, yeah. to get myself through it faster. Yeah, I don't mind that at all. But there's also, I don't, I don't know, you may have noticed, this might be like a difference is, I think in the cores, it remembers what last game you played. Yeah. Perhaps in GB Studio, it does not. But I know it a does. lot of times when I go to, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. it pulls up the last thing you had booted up, basically. But Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I'm, yeah. It, so right now, you're kind of playing through the entire Game Boy library. Yes. Which is not necessarily a typical right. use case. Like, normally, you're going to be playing a specific game. Right now, I am playing a couple specific games mm -hmm. on the different cores and going through the Game Boy library, but I'm also doing it alphabetically, right. and I'm taking maybe a little longer than you are, because you were saying that you're like giving five minutes to like every yeah. Game Boy I, game I'm, right I'm now. I'm just checking in on a game and seeing if it, if it 
blasts Grabs me in the face with like, yeah, is this is could this go anywhere? And it's and you know I'm I'm giving it. It's like, well, this is the first level of the game. It's not going to be like wildly you right, know, <laughs> uh, uh, wildly complex, right? Yeah. But is it teasing that it feels at least good to play? The other one for me, and this is a this is a thing I absolutely had complete control over, but just decided uh, not to is in getting. Uh, cores set up on this thing like you do have to there's like a kind of system you have to go through to get you know basically different hardware uh, mapped mm -hmm. onto this thing I took the lazy route and checked all boxes and I really wish I hadn't because oh, I especially no. yeah I, I don't like having like uh, all of Batrider and Battle Back Raid and, and Congo Bongo, like arcade oh. cabinets listed on here. Like there's too much stuff in my cores and I do need to go in and clean that up and yeah I, I'm just the kind of person with these devices where it's like and, and this came from, I think, even just specifically my Steam Deck. I, I have maybe six games on my Steam Deck at a time, period. Like, right. I, I do not... I, when I finish a game, I delete it from the Steam Deck and I get something new. And it's not because I need the space. Like, I have plenty of hard drive space on my Steam Deck, but I just don't like having too much on there at once. And yeah. I get... I just don't like the look of a thing that has like a million cores on it and I have to sift through them. And yeah, it just... It kind of drives me nuts. So I need to go through and clean it up. Um, but I mean, the fact that you can have, you know, everything under the sun, I mean, literally you can play anything that existed up until the Super Nintendo and Genesis, like through right. the Genesis and, and Super Nintendo library, all games predating 1996, you can play basically or right. whatever. Uh, and, and that, that alone is amazing. But yeah, I just, I have to do a little bit more on my end of like cultivating that list of what I want it to be basically. Yeah. Yeah, I, and I think that's I think that's a very natural like process to go through. Um, I don't I don't care. Yeah. I'm just give me I I have I have folders with every U.S. release plus uh, all the all the ROM hack translations mm -hmm. of of various games, and I'm just you know I'm just gonna be slowly picking through everything for the rest of my life. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I'm going to play new games eventually. I'm just going to be an old farty <laughs> yeah. weirdo that only I'm like, dude, I'm just I'm I'm in I'm in the S's for Super Nintendo. There's a lot of them. Okay, I'm on the S's. I've been on the S's for 2 years Especially now. Especially on the Super through. Nintendo where like 90% yeah. of the games were called Super something. Super something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um but yeah, I mean, I I love it. The screen modes for the original Game Boy games mm -hmm. in particular is just such a wild feature mm -hmm. that it allows me to like kind of even curate my nostalgia yeah. is so like i mean it's very indulgent and i feel like i'm indulging yeah. like when yeah. i pull up like i will pull up a game boy game that i used to play and i will cycle through the screens until i'm like yeah this feels like what it felt like this is like <laughs> what this one's the appropriate one it's like i'm always choosing which one makes the most sense basically yeah. and yeah it's it's really really fun to do even to play a game for just like five minutes right is such a fun little hit of nostalgia yeah. and i hope that we get more and more products that are not just looking backwards but like and not just preserving mm -hmm. but just like kind of and this sounds kind of gross indulging yeah. in the nostalgia hit right, right? my brain well that's what i love about it yeah it the big thing i'm very interested in in learning more about and getting into at this point is uh like the the homebrew scene now like i you know there are people that just make nes games today still mm -hmm. right there, there are whole whole communities based around people developing game boy titles still right. today and i think i'm realizing i'm actually quite desperate to play stuff like that because um 
in going through just the Game Boy library, something I'm really enjoying is games that are just like two ideas and that's it. Like that, that the Game Boy is so ripe for like, listen, we couldn't yep. be more complex than this. There's, I got a right. D-pad and got two, two buttons and mm -hmm. the game has to be a megabyte, not a, like a, a, a handful of kilobytes, actually, I should say. Right. Like there's, there's no information here. Make your game as simple as possible. But the thing, the thing for me, being a a, a lame person with n no uh, comfort in legacy, is a lot of these games have a game design philosophy that I still feel is outdated to me. I like learning about it, but playing the games very often still feels bad to me, basically. Yeah. But to th imagine modern game designers playing with the same limitations and the same like, here's just my idea, here's my little hook. You know, I, I really, that's what I love about indie game development. And I just feel like that's such a ripe area that I've just not invested in at all is like people making new old games with, mm -hmm. with modern design sensibilities to them. I, I feel like that is an area I could get really hooked into. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can understand that. But also I've been playing Kickmaster for the <laughs> NES. <laughs> And that game is wild. <laughs> I did not really know what that was because it's called Kickmaster. So I think I kind of imagined something very different than uh -huh. what it is. I didn't realize it was like this weird, it's a like fantasy, like it's a kind of generic Western or kind of Castlevania-esque mm -hmm. looking game about a guy that just kicked. That's all he do. And he's got wild jumps too. The kicks are wild. The jumps are wild. It really looks like it. It, it is so weird because it's like, I remember hearing about this game for the NES called Kickmaster, and just every time I was like, I really want to play a game called uh -huh. Kickmaster. Yeah, like, right. To be I honest, Kickmaster in, in and of itself is kind of a hook. Yeah. And then I booted it up, and it's like, oh, I guess it's like Castlevania. And then I like pressed a button, and I was like, no, it's not like Castlevania. <laughs> it's like something else. And then you're just looking at it, and you're like, why is it like this? This is such a strange... Like It's like several layers of misconception uh -huh. I experienced uh, for Kickmaster. That's so great. yeah, I've been playing a lot of Kickmaster on my pocket. Um, it's I'll say this: it beats the Steam Deck for me as far as emulation for mm. um, 16-bit and pre-16-bit. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I think I just I I, I think I'm just going to keep all that stuff there. Um, and you know, whenever Mister Kits decides to get me my Mister, mm -hmm. then that will probably be my go-to at home. You know, on a CRT. Yes type setup hopefully if we ever get there we're yeah. working on well it. yeah i mean let me let me scope out my goal with this stuff. i think i think you and i share the same goal but I, I feel like i've noticed in reactions to some episodes like when we talk about this kind of stuff specific retro things i do think some of our audience like doesn't isn't tuned into like this part of the gaming world or whatever sure. so i i kind of want to lay some groundwork of like what my goal is with all of my gaming devices uh which is to say I have my Steam Deck and my Steam Deck I play a lot of stuff on, but primarily I find my Steam Deck useful for obviously PC games that run on it. And then like 2001, a game Odyssey was a great season to get to know my Steam Deck. The PS2 sure. GameCube era, that is a splendid way, uh, splendid stuff to play on a Steam Deck because it is high enough, you know, fidelity graphics that playing it on like a 1080p screen doesn't look that bad especially like it's getting up on the steam deck or whatever like that stuff looks good it is that playstation one era stuff looks really gross like you said because of all the dithering but even just yeah. like th there's so much n64 is the same thing n64 games look really really gross and empty on on like 
upscaled <laughs> hardware and everything. Yeah, like it's it, they're just tricky. That N sixty four PlayStation One Sega Saturn stuff. Yeah. That has yet, I feel like, to be cracked right. emulation-wise. And that's why you got people that are, like, modifying old PlayStations right. to output in yes. HDMI, which is, like, obviously, that's the cool guy way to do sure. it. But, but this, even we're not beyond the cool that. guy podcast. We're yeah. weirdos. But my goal, I do think that stuff, I think that is the generation that benefits by far the most for uh, having a CRT TV. I, I've got a big monster CRT TV at home that... I might even trade out eventually. It's like a high-def CRT. It was literally like a thing made like right there at the end of the life cycle mm -hmm. of CRTs being manufactured or whatever. Um, and I wouldn't mind getting something like older and worse, basically, to yeah. better emulate like how much softening of the image happened. But when you get into like 16-bit and stuff, I don't think it's as critical. But like literally, you boot up like Final Fantasy VII and the way the 3d models walking around the painted backdrop it is so stark of a contrast where on a crt it is not that stark like those the image is mm -hmm. softened enough that it just looks like cloud is running around the world and that's true right. of almost everything of that era so for me it's like i want you know a modern console i want my steam deck for like everything from ps2 to like as emulation gets better for like ps3 and stuff i want to play all that stuff on my steam deck i would like to eventually get a mister hook it up to a crt almost exclusively for n64 playstation 1 sega saturn and then like everything else gets played on this analog pocket at this point except for maybe some some like snes and genesis games i might want to also play on the on the crt but a lot of them i'll just want to have on the go with me I like your plan. The only problem is that the I don't. I'm pretty sure right now the mis, the Mister's max capability is like PlayStation, Sega, Saturn. I think that the N64 is going to be on a little bit of a hardware island yeah. for a little bit. Right. There was a modification for the 64 in order to make it output to HDMI that I heard was really really good. Yeah. Um. I don't think that's something you can get anymore. That's the one. That's the thing about this this particular interest of like really trying to uh get that good hit of right. nostalgia right. that is that feels really accurate which by the way i go by feel um this is not we're not digital foundry over no, here at no, oga uh, i have no idea really what uh is good or bad my brain recognizes if it is close enough uh to really making me feel good yeah and i'm just trying to get as close uh as possible and i will say one thing I want to say unequivocally about the analog pocket is that if your goal is to emulate Game Boy, Game Boy Color, I'll even throw in Game Boy Advance, although that one's a little shakier, this is your best option. Yeah. I think just just de facto yeah. best option besides just playing it on straight up original hardware, right. which is going to carry with it a lot of extra stuff. You're also going to spend a lot of money on things like replacing the screen or yeah. trying to make sure that everything inside of it still works etc etc right so i think that the analog pocket is the best option for that as far as everything else about it that your mileage will vary and you might already have a better solution yeah. for yourself or maybe you have no solution and you're just fine <laughs> with loading it up on your pc right more power to you and yeah. um, for you i guess there was nothing for this episode to be about <laughs> but oh my other my other device i have to have is my my ds and my 3ds which technically i could just have it's actually a 2DS, which is a gross, disgusting, horrible system. Ate that uh, one. But uh, I do have that around to play 3DS and then my DS Lite. 
for DS games, and I prefer those two for those. So, like, that's, like, what my entire hardware ecosystem will look like. I got another thing to show you, yeah, actually, real quick do. here. Give me two seconds. So you were just talking about the DS, and um, I, ha I, I have a, something to confess to you that I feel guilty about. Uh -huh. um, you actually were, you were in a store, and you were like, hey, I found a DS that was, like, pretty cheap. It was, like, a nice blue one. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, yeah, give me that. I need that. And then actually, I mean, you bought it and then you had to get it to me. Uh -huh. So it wasn't, it was like a two-step process. Well, the other day I was going through a uh, box and I found <laughs> inside of it my, this is my second DS that I ever oh, owned. Yeah. This is That's my funny. actual red DS That's light. exactly what mine looks like, which mine is not mine. Mine is my brother-in-law's. But yeah, I've, that's what my DS that's got everything loaded up on it. It's just like that one of the red, the red top black bottom DS light. It is so wild to me that it has, so it has been in this very sturdy case this whole time and it looks brand new. Yeah, basically. that's pretty amazing. But yeah, anyways, you bought me that blue DS for basically no reason. Because, I mean, I'm going to use this one. This is mine. Yeah. This one's mine. Right. Okay. Well, I and use especially with DS, mine. all you need is one of those R4 cards, and you get every single thing on it. The only advantage, you got a DSi, and the only advantage of that is you can, like, do crazy homebrew apps on it. But it's kind, oh, of, cool. it's kind of a whole other, that's a whole other world to get into. I mean, it's interesting because, like, the Game Boy and the DS are kind of the two that I think of as, like, these are just straight up hard to, it's hard to have one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, right. it's like... It's like a very particular thing. Um, it's not like, yes, you can emulate it on other devices, but there's some key stuff about yeah. the experience that needs to be maintained. And I think the analog pocket is like someone like doing a good job of actually maintaining that. Right. right. Now, one thing that I feel like is impossible to say at this point is longevity. Yeah. Um, we obviously need these devices to last the rest of our earthly lives <laughs> and perhaps even into our children's lives and so on and so forth. Uh -huh. Otherwise, you know, some great injustice has been done. I'm, of course. Listen, I spent 250 bucks in 2022 money. Yeah. That should last me Forever. until 3022. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it, it should at least be that good. Um, we haven't really talked about like buttons or build quality. Sure. Like we, we, it looks nice. It feels nice. You were saying something about the buttons earlier. Like, how do you feel like the buttons? I, the I buttons think feel they're good. good. I mean, it's a platforming device. So, I mean, they yeah. need to be good. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I feel like the D pad is, is maybe just okay. Uh, it doesn't, yeah, it, there's, I agree. there's not a feeling of like, like if, you know, let's pretend I'm playing a fighting game. Uh, I'm not going to be, but let's pretend I was to try yeah, to do to, to try to do like a back to down to forward roll sort of motion uh, feels like nothing to me. It feels completely wrong. And I would just have to be good at doing that innately for it, I think, to work. Uh, um, the, the, the story I was telling you, though, is just. I have been playing this as like a bedtime device uh, yeah. in, in bed next to my wife. And I feel like the buttons are really loud, but that's because yeah. it's 10 o'clock and I'm directly next to a sleeping person. So I don't know. And right. also that might be just the nature of buttons. Whereas normally I'm playing my Steam Deck with like joystick and triggers where it's like, it's really easy to be really quiet on that thing it's essentially. True. Yeah. Uh, but I do get nerd. I, I just, there's a part of it where I'm like, oh, the buttons are kind of loud. But you know what else? Buttons are kind of loud. Like a mechanical keyboard, which is like a great thing. So I don't, I don't know what it means for the build quality of this thing. I, I assume it's kind of of a decently high standard. 
I mean, the D-pad is not... I wish the D-pad was a little bit better for how for how luxury the device uh, is. Right. Um, it's funny. I literally have my Game Boy Color, my old Game Boy Color in my hand, and I'm pressing the D-pad. I'm like, dang. That feels better. This is a pretty good D-pad. <laughs> this, this D-pad feels really... I mean, I'm not even using it to do anything, and I'm like, oh, it just feels like... It feels robust, yeah. you know? Right. Um, in a way that I would say the analog pocket D-pad, it's not... Yeah, it's not my favorite. I feel like in general, D-pads are not getting any better right. you know it's clearly not a priority for anybody yeah um but yeah i i i would rate it i would rate it above i have a i have a special uh hori uh brand uh joy con that has mm -hmm. a good d-pad because the nintendo switch d-pad that comes I mean, it's not even really a d-pad it's just like four it's not a d-pad it's yeah. four buttons so ridiculous right um i would rate it a little bit above that one okay uh even uh, but probably not as good as the as the original Game Boy, or at least yeah. not as good as a Game Boy Color. I don't know. I, I don't really remember the the big brick Game Boy that well right. these days. I would love to have one, though. I do have um, one. I have one major gripe, I will say. I, I was ooh, saying, and it. I was referring to it earlier. It's like there's there's kind of hard angles on this thing, but especially like if you're looking at the back where you would normally slot in your cartridges, uh, just, the, just like outside of those bounds is like a perfect right angle. If anything, I would say it's even like more acute than that. Like th it is a sharp angle and that is exactly where the L and R shoulder buttons are as well. Yeah. And like, you know, you're already holding this thing. You have to adapt your mind to like, you're holding your hands really close together. That That's how a Game yes. Boy is played. I am very mm -hmm. happy and content with that. But the idea that I'm going to like hold my fingers in this pretty odd position against this sharp angle is not yeah. my favorite it's 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 one thing when it's just like a button i press every once in a while but like there's some snes and genesis like action games where the triggers are a big deal and uh i don't know i, I know how much my hands like tense up in like hard action games like i am gonna like dig a hole into the side of my finger on this this hard angle here so that is upsetting i wish i wish that was smoother and it will make some of those games basically not playable on this device those those will be games where it's like oh, i'm just gonna play that on the steam deck or something because if it's if it's too much fast trigger action it is just not a viable uh way to play the game i think yeah i was playing ranger x on it earlier yeah and that game is like a lot of it's kind of a uh, throw a lot of trash on screen it's uh -huh. pretty pretty wild and silly and you're the way you control your character is unbelievably outlandish. I mean, the, you, you're playing as a robot that has a motorcycle that you also control, and the robot is separate from the motorcycle, but then you can also combine with the motorcycle at times. Oh, no. Anyways, it's a great game if you like convoluted, weird uh, control schemes. And I was able to do that okay. Mm -hmm. It didn't feel bad. Okay. Now, would I rather have some sort... like Would I rather actually own analogs like sega genesis uh thing or just an actual sega genesis like just have an old school perfect setup yeah, yeah. i would rather have that um i think that the cores that the, the cores for extra systems on the analog pocket are you should maybe think of them going into it as a as a gimme not a this is your one-stop shop device yeah. i don't think it holds up to that type of scrutiny i still think the the mister is probably the best bang for buck yeah as far as that is concerned um but this is your portable mister yeah exactly. that's what it is that's it's your idea. portable mister. it's the portable mister and and it's gonna it goes it does what you need it to do i don't want to play 
uh, like PlayStation One games portably. Like I don't have that desire. Or if I if I did, it's like I would be fine with just sort of running it on my Steam Deck and and playing it through some screen filters and stuff or whatever. Sure. Um, that's why this is such a good device for me. Is it's like listen, the stuff I would actually want to play portably, it can run. Uh, to to just talk about like, you know, you you brought up the N sixty four is like probably not doable on the Mister. That's the area where I'm like. We've seen so many advancements in just the last, like, what, five years with this stuff. The mm. The issue with the Mister is the idea that the Mister runs on this thing called the DE10 Nano or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's that device that seemingly would not be able to handle an N64 option. And that, right. that device is like a wildly accessible and affordable thing that is used for many purposes outside of right. <laughs> gamer right. markets. It's made uh, it, po- it all possible, right. basically. Uh, but my imagination is that we will find something else down the road that is like just as <laughs> accessible. Like, I just feel like this stuff is getting so overly developed right now. Like so many people are working on this stuff. Uh, it, it's such a like vibrant market that I, I feel like in 10 years, it's even going to look unrecognizable to us compared to what it is right now. Thinking about how fast like the Steam Deck went from like you can put games on it to like there's a whole beautiful user interface that makes it like the easiest thing mm-hmm. in the whole world and that's like all this open development like open source team that's doing it i feel like there's like no upper limit to any of this stuff essentially like people will find the right devices and start putting out these sort of boutique hardwares for for everything under the sun so it's like i like having this stuff right now we were joking about it being a lifetime device. It definitely won't be because there's going to be something in five to 10 years that is like an even more perfect replacement for it or whatever, I bet. So I, I don't know. Interesting. I, I think this is like a crazy, crazy time for this kind of market. I think this is like a burgeoning uh, sort of pseudo industry or hobbyist group thing. It would be really, I really want to take everything you just said and uh-huh. send it to analog and be like, is this right? Uh, because I wonder if they would be like, no, it's a sinking ship. We're done. We have to get out. Like, cause I mean, it's like, I don't know. I don't know if the, if the market is really rewarding this kind of thing or if it's just like a niche sure. weirdo. Thing. I, I, sh- I should be more clear. I'm not talking about like analog as a company that cares about its uh, sort of ability to handle these things. I'm thinking more on that hobbyist side of like, people are going to figure out how to, you know, the Mr is like a dude who makes misters and then like the rest of it is like you can also just build your own mister because these are the components you use to build a mister but i make it mm-hmm. a little bit easier by building these things right i i think that kind of ecosystem has no upper limit i don't know about like a company that is there to sell products to end consumers right. who knows if that's got enough gas in the tank but just yeah. the idea that i can build a device in 10 years that probably is 10 times better than what we have right now available to us i think is is kind of what i'm referring to yeah um i i think if your point is the community uh you know their their willpower will make everything possible yeah i do agree but there is like there is kind of a conversation that happens there as far as like the community and then like because i mean it's analog kind of led this off with like having these fpga products right. and then the mister kind of came in later to sort of be like well, he, well, how about you just have one and it do everything? Right. You know what I mean? Instead right. of waiting for analog to make your console again, yep. why not just take the same technology that they're using yep. and the community can just uh, bust, bust through? Right. But I think that really my point when it comes to the N64 is that 
this ended up being like one big top-down solution yeah right yeah. that solved like a bunch of problems this piece of tech this yeah. the the fpga the de10 nano i guess is what i should call it yeah. as far as the n64 concerns that is like another question yeah. right. That, right with with that will require a new answer on the uh i guess on the hardware side obviously whenever the hardware appears the community unlocks its potential yeah. and takes it all the way to maximum <laughs> right i i 100 agree with you on that one like the, if if it's there i mean what the pocket was out i don't know for how long maybe like six months i think it took yeah. for people to unlock the potential of those uh, of the extra um chip in yeah, there and right. start making the the mr cores for the analog pocket right so yeah that did not take long and i mean i'm sure there's even more that's going to happen with the pocket basically yeah, right. um as as for, especially i hope that analog continues to uh support it and i hope they continue um to you know fulfill the shipments uh that they <laughs> owe the people that gave them money for it yeah uh, yeah <laughs> yeah i want to make sure that we're at least like i i like this thing and i think it's good and if you feel like you can spend 250 dollars on a game boy um, then I think this is a good option uh, mm -hmm. for you. Mm -hmm. um, but also, you know, I pretty much, I was pretty annoyed waiting this long yes. for it. And I don't want right. that to be lost either. Yeah. I like it, but I waited a long time to get it. I, and you I, might not want to. I'll give that shout out again too for people where it's like, if you're actually only after like, I just want a cool handheld device. Like there's absolutely other stuff out so there. So much there's out there, so, yeah. Like, right now is like a crazy time for handheld gaming devices. So definitely just go check any like there's there's so many companies uh, uh there, there's a really cool uh youtube channel that i keep up with i'll, I'll shout them out retro game core uh, that's like corpse c-o-r-p-s retro game core is a channel i i subscribe to and he's just constantly checking i mean that dude probably has four thousand <laughs> handheld devices sitting in his garage or whatever right. uh but uh, especially, uh, that was the guy who showed me how to do anything and everything under the sun with a steam deck, but he, he does a lot of stuff. That's, that's very cool with other handheld stuff. So go browse his channel for a little bit and see how many options there are. So if you're, if that's literally all you're after is like, I just want a good handheld device. You can get one of those, but if you want this, like all this other stuff we've covered today, that would be the like, all right, I guess I'll put some money in inside this company and hope it comes out the other end eventually. But uh, I, I wouldn't hold your breath for at least uh, a, a number of months, basically. I, I do it like this. Like this is kind of how I'm, how I'm starting to think about stuff. So I, there are a hand, like I did not keep a lot of my games. I did yeah. keep some of my games and I have, you know, I've talked about some of the games that I've had uh, on, on previous episodes. If there is like, I've, I have, I still have my Link's Awakening cartridge and it's very special to me because yeah. that game was very very important to me it got me through a lot of camping trips uh -huh. um for, and which is great it, playing link's awakening playing a zelda game when you're camping that rules is like kind of the craziest yeah. like way to do it for sure um because um, what is a Zelda experience if not just <laughs> camping it's basically <laughs> camping you're basically camping when you play zelda yeah um and so that was really that was really kind of like the first big Game Boy experience for me. I mean, I had Link's Awakening and I had Tetris um, and Tetris got me through. For some reason, I like to play Tetris whenever I had to watch my sister play sports because my sister played sports, <laughs> uh -huh. not me. And so that <laughs> meant that I just had to watch uh, the sports. And so instead of watching, of course, I just played uh, the Game Boy. But maybe we'll be talking about, uh, you know, our history with the Game Boy in depth uh, sometime soon in the future. Um, <laughs> but for now, I just want to say that I am interested in these devices that Analog makes um, because 
I want to use them to just play the games I have already. Um, that's really what it is. I would say if you have a physical game that you're just like, this is my copy of this game, and you want to play that on a device, I think that experience is really worthwhile. That's why I wanted the Pocket. When I got the Pocket, I took it right out of the box. I went. I did not set up anything. I didn't care about setting anything up. I ran into my room. I grabbed Link's Awakening. I shoved it in the slot. The slot sucks, by the way. The slot. We didn't even talk about that. The slot's not very good. <laughs> oh, does it? The slot's what's, kind of bad. What's wrong with it? Well, because it's it's, it's kind of built for like a million adapters and stuff too, right? Feels weird. Yeah, uh -huh. and it's built for these adapters, so it just feels. I don't know. Every time I'm like, is it fully in uh -huh. there or something? So that, that minor complaint doesn't matter. I shoved Link's Awakening in there, turned it on, and the second it popped up in that like old school pea soup whatever green looking <laughs> weird thing going on uh i was just like blown away yeah. blown away by that and i i'm looking and it makes me kind of sad that i waited this long i should have got a super nintendo one is what i realized because right. there's a bunch of super nintendo games that i have here that if i slammed them in knowing that it's my cartridge this is so stupid okay I'm sorry that I'm so dumb, but knowing that it's my cartridge from when I was a little, a little baby monkey, that I have it still and can shove it into the thing and be like, oh, it's mine. And see like maybe an old game file, you know? Uh -huh. that, but it's on my I big boy TV. <laughs> oh, well, I, I got it. That There's a magic to that, that I'm realizing matters to me. Mm -hmm. And now I'm going to have to pay so much money to, do, to do so that. much money to get that super <laughs> nt dude and i feel like a dummy i just feel stupid so how about this this is my psa if you l just listen to what i said and you were like oh i kind of feel the same way i do have stuff that it's like just special to me the idea mm -hmm. of like putting my disc or my cartridge into a system and it running i mean i'm looking at final fantasy 7 final fantasy 8 final fantasy 9 I have those yeah. from when I was a boy. Right. And if Analog announces a PlayStation 1, I am going to... They, they can name your price. That's my, <laughs> that's my thing. Don't, actually, don't send this to Analog. I don't want them to know. But I will... I'm probably just kind of on board to buy... Even knowing that I'm going to have a mister that will be able to just run all of that, there's a magic in just being able to put my... It's my stuff. Yeah. That I can use it still. That's fun. That's amazing. Yeah. Man, so. I, I'm still so sad that when I was living in Portland, I got rid of a bunch of my stuff. It was just like a moment in time where I was like, I don't need this stuff anymore. It's time. Mm -hmm. It's time to do away with a lot of it. I mean, I got rid of probably two thirds of my video game oh. collection. Uh, and yeah, now I do now regret it uh, quite a lot. So that's that's a sad truth for me. So I, I, I just don't have access to so much of that. But I'm just excited about uh, continuing to like not only play some of the stuff I did play, but there's just so many things I didn't play. And and yeah, you, you alluded to some Game Boy happenings. I mean, the Game Boy is really, like I said, I basically only played, I basically only played Pokemon on this thing. And so there's a whole mm -hmm. world I actually need to like discover there. And I'm very, very interested in, in doing so, especially because it's it's such a system designed around experimentation and just like i don't know this is all i got so like just try it and see what you get out of it it you know it's it's a big deal console but it's like the handheld market for so long was not the focus you know what i mean yeah it was not yeah. it was not where the important games of the year came out you know how many how many game boy games are on people's 
all top 100 games. It's it's like Link's Awakening and Tetris, and that's kind of it that ever gets brought up in like all of handheld gaming when it comes and to... And the Pokemon games. Well, in Pokemon, and Pokemon yeah, yeah. Games. Well, so there you go. So the, the, But it's like, that is the extent of the conversation that basically happens. And it's like, I don't know, man. Something we didn't talk about in this, but we will definitely talk about in the future. The Game Boy was around for 12 years before yep. the Game Boy Advance came out. Like 12 right. years, an entire decade plus of game development ethos in mm-hmm. one system is like genuinely amazing. Yeah, it's pretty wild. It's pretty weird. Um, and yeah, I'm excited to uh, maybe talk about it more yeah. in the future. Who knows? Definitely. Who knows what we'll do? Who knows? Um, we just, we're just kind of flipping the script every week <laughs> on y'all. You're like, last week we're like, mm, we don't even like the idea of the show anymore. And this week we're like, we're reviewing some hardware sort of. <laughs> hmm. I guess we'll just do, you know, next week, um, maybe we should talk about fried chicken. Uh-huh. I'm going to, I'm going to bring about... Katie on the show and we're going to talk about pies, uh, and just we're, how to, oh, how to get a good about... pie dough. Ooh, maybe. Okay. So we do a hundred games uh-huh. and then we do a hundred pies. <laughs> what do you think? Old pie eaters almanac. <laughs> Old Gamers Almanac is produced by Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson with music by Knight Corey. If you liked our little show, consider giving us a five-star rating or heading over to patreon.com slash oldgamersalmanac. Oh,